and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast, episode 436. That's right. We are recording on May 18th. And May 18th, for those of you listening at home, is Dan Kurtzke's birthday. So happy birthday to Dan Kurtzke. Happy birthday. That's right. Uh, go, go go give him a subscribe over on YouTube, uh, Mosaic Comics. That's his channel. Uh, but just uh, wanted to wish the man a happy birthday real quick. But tonight... We are getting into some comic uh, stuff that happened. The Justice League Last Ride. Now, why are we talking about this? Um, actually, I mentioned this in uh, talking about some solicits a while back. This was the Justice League uh, issue I told you guys uh, had the Trinity on the cover, but somehow in the background, really interestingly, just kind of half hidden behind the title logo, looked like Mogo. Uh, and it was like, okay, um, that's very interesting. Nothing in the solicit seemed to read anything about uh, Green Lantern involvement. So I was like, all right, well, let's, I'll, I'll get it. I'll see what it's about. And I got it. And lo and behold, this thing actually has a crap ton of Green Lantern stuff in it. So I told uh, I told uh, Mark that we need to get this uh, and talk about it. <laughs> indeed you did, and indeed we are. All right. Uh, so I'm doing the synopsis tonight. First, uh, first things first, uh, we are talking uh, Justice League Last Ride number one. The uh, story title is called If People Are in Danger, writer Chip Zdarsky. Uh, M- Miguel uh, Mendoza is the artist. Enrica and Go- Angiolini is the, doing the colors. And World Design did the letters. Derek Robertson and Diego Rodriguez did the cover. Uh, Mendoka and uh, Aguinoli did the variant cover. Kate Kubert and Michael McAllister are the editors. Um, so we open up with some kind of uh, history, in, at least in this world that we're, we're working within. Um, we'll talk a bit about the world in which we operate here uh, after the recap. But um, Superman, you know, fighting Doomsday, saving some kids. Uh, you know, destroying some uh, Lex Luthor bots, all this stuff. There's always something, there's always an emergency going down. Uh, Cal and uh, Lois are spending the night over at the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, basically, the conversation is such that there's always a new disaster, always something uh, to be, um, to worry about, something to distract him. Um, then uh, we... Uh, have him go through a dream sequence where he's imagining uh, an attack on Metropolis and the Daily Planet globe falls and it's full of kryptonite and someone needs to save everyone. Uh, but 
the Justice League communique uh, hidden in a or stashed away in a box in the fortress is beeping. So he heads over to the Justice League watchtower on the moon where Wonder Woman already is. Flash, Barry has just arrived um, uh, and they greet each other. It's been a while since the Justice League has come together to do anything. Uh, Batman shows up. Uh, he says, uh, you know, hey, what's going on? I'm needed. And he's like, there's no major power sources heading to Earth. Uh, besides what appears to be Jordan. And then that's when Superman steps in and says, nope, nope, you're not waltzing in taking the lead, not after what you did. Uh, suddenly, John uh, comes over the uh, the intercom or the, in, the the Justice League communique saying that the lanterns are coming in through the docking bay if you wouldn't mind meeting us. Uh, so they show up in the docking bay and we have John Stewart, Jessica Cruz, and Kilowog in the world's biggest hoodie. Um, <laughs> uh, they have Lobo in chains, uh, the most wanted man in the universe. He's listed as the man who killed the new gods, and we need your help keeping him alive. Uh, apparently, uh, the United Planets wants to put Lobo on trial, but there's uh, he's wanted for a lot of crimes, and, and not just the murder of the new gods, so lots of enemies are after him as well. So they're basically trying to keep him safe until the trial. So the uh, Flash asks, can't, can't you guys as lanterns keep him safe? This is when Jordan shows up, uh, Hal Jordan, and says, uh, the, since the core fell apart, we don't, simply don't have the members to protect Lobo. You're the only people I trust to get this job done. Um, Batman brings up the, the United Planets military could give them what they need. Uh, he's, Hal says he's rebuilding the core, but we've lost most of the, our jurisdiction through United, the United Planets since since the crisis. I want to show them that we can do this with the help of Earth so that I can make the case to make this new Oa, the base of the Green Lantern core. Superman Claire asks if he means the watchtower and Hal says he means the moon. Um, if we can get to work with the core directly guarding earth, working with its heroes and deputizing them as green lanterns, we wouldn't need a justice league anymore. Um, the league thinks on it. Batman excuses himself saying it's politics and pos- cosmic politics at that. So he excuses himself to get out of there over in Gotham. He takes on uh, Mr. Freeze. Superman steps in to take care of the situation so he and Batman can have a conversation about everything. Uh, Batman says he's not sure that the Earth needs space cops. Um, We're too fragmented. There's been too many near misses since the League disbanded is what uh, Superman says. And he can't be everywhere. Um, So uh, Batman tries to excuse himself again. I have more work to do. Uh, And he... Super punches the damn big ass penny uh, across the bat cave and says, I tried. I did my best. It was you who killed John. It was you who sent our friend to his death. You who, and he stops. I'm so tired, Bruce, tired of uh, the fight, fighting everything, including my friends. Uh, put aside your dab, damn obstinance and help us. Batman says, uh, Hal was right. I know the best place to hide Lobo. If we're going to pull this off, we need to go back to Apocalypse. And that is the end of the issue one story. Where do you want to start with this, man? I mean, obviously we're going to focus on the lantern stuff. So do we want to just start talk about everything else first? Um, probably for clarification sake that 
the John that is dead is John Jones is the Martian Manhunter. Yeah, so I try I try to pronounce them differently, but sometimes it doesn't really come. No, up. I know, but I'm just saying, just in case. Uh, I mean, I mean, Jean, not Jean. <laughs> <laughs> you know that French Martian guy. Uh, yeah, so he's he's the one that supposed that Superman is holding Batman responsible for for his death. So, and the first John we encounter is John Stewart. Um, it's kind of an interesting situation where. I hate Lobo so much, but since he killed the new gods, is that part of him? You just you want to give him a, you want to give him a high five, but Lobo would be so inherently more annoying than the new gods. I don't know if that's a, a good trade off. Did you ever watch the uh, sci-fi Krypton series? No, I okay. have not watched that yet. Yeah, because I know Lobo. He he appears in the second season of that. Anyway, so I just thought I'd bring it up. Yeah, so, I, good. No, I just. So we, you and I had an interesting sort of like, you know, m- mini conversation about this. Obviously, we, would, we probably wanted to save it for the, con- the for the actual episode, but basically getting into the is this in continuity or not? <laughs> right. And I just like I- I'm of the opinion that it's not. I just it's not like I, I wouldn't put it past DC, put it past DC. But with everything that happened in Infinite Frontier and like sort of like. You know, we've got the multiverse back and all of this. I just see this as I, I don't think DC would be publishing what's going on in Green Lantern and then publish publish this at the same time, basically giving us the foregone conclusion of what happens in the future. I co- sort of see this as another Earth in the multiverse where what we're reading in Green Lantern right now could lead to this. But the world we're reading within the Green Lantern title currently is not where we're going – is not going to end up with this Justice League last ride thing. It's really hard to – I mean, let's be honest. It's really hard to know where, what's going to end up where at this point because it seems like we have so many different – literally, I mean, without, without any kind of notes to tell you which planet or which universe this is taking place in, there's so many of them, many of them now. The only thing, unfortunately – it's like a common thread right now is that it seems like, which is weird, that all the universes we're seeing, no matter what, are all, even if it's assuming this is not supposed to be taking place in ours, that the United Planets is like a drumbeat that seems to be, you know, coming over the over the horizon here and, and almost all of these and just leading to different outcomes and different different events. I, I, I don't know. I, I agree. This It doesn't make sense on one level for this to be continuity because there's so many things we would have no way of understanding of what they're talking about it so it's not on that level it doesn't make a lot of sense but they certainly are tying it in you know when you think about it john jessica and guy i mean excuse me a kilowog are all in street clothes they are using they are you know they are they are using green energy from rings but they are all in street clothes maybe they're trying to be incog incognito but the reality is <laughs> while we, glowing like fucking lightning bugs. yes but we know the core <laughs> but we know the core is fallen so that that is that is you know that is a common thread, and we know that they don't have jur- pretty much any juris a very little jurisdiction anymore, or influence in the in the sectors. So that matches up where we're going. It, it's it's hard it's hard to know. Uh, it's the the lantern stuff is what makes it really interesting. That's the stuff to me that's that the only stuff that's really interesting. Batman and Superman in fighting we've seen that's that's not out of the yeah, ordinary. And they've done that. Yeah. Lobo is annoying in, in pretty much any incarnation. Um, so I can only take Lobo in, in small doses. So what I wish to was a more rel- a more 
relatable or likable character, which would have probably put the onus even more on Batman to come around to try to protect to protect him until he stood trial, as opposed to someone who was in complete dirtbag. Yeah, I think it probably would have been better, but I'm not as gung ho to see how because of Slobo, I'm less interested in seeing making sure he the package gets delivered safely. <laughs> but it's but I'm but I know some of the stuff we're going to talk about related to Hal, especially, uh, is more is what makes this story interesting or to break down anyway. Yeah. So I think the other thing we have to throw into the mix here is this almost in addition to seeming like a possible future for what we're reading in green lantern this also feels like a kingdom come prequel um so it's like the uh, this issue seems like a bridge to get us from where we're at in green lantern to kingdom the events of kingdom come in some way now why do i say that i didn't mention it um in the recap but if you haven't already looked when hal shows up hal is not wearing your standard uniform he's wearing the armor that he you well at least the chest plate that he wears in kingdom come or what alan wears in kingdom come well see that's just the thing i've had a twitter conversation between uh, Myron and a bunch of other fans. Apparently, it wasn't. It's ne- it, it, it was always Hal. It was always supposed to be Hal. I don't have Kingdom Come on my shelf. It, I think it's at my brother-in-law's for some stupid reason. I don't have the trade on my shelf. I have the freaking novelization. But in googling this, apparently, the Kingdom Come Green Lantern was always supposed to be Hal. Well, because I don't. Because I remember being confused about this when people were were telling me that um that it was that it was Hal. Because I thought it was Alan. Because I, to my knowledge, and again, I, this is why I bring up I don't have the trade here in front of me. I don't remember them ever saying his name. And maybe that's and and maybe that's what Myron is alluding to. Because I mean, because most of us know the story that yes, Wade and Ross they absolutely wanted to make the plant. If they had their druthers, Hal Jordan was going to be Green Lantern in Kingdom Come, and, and we would have known Hal Jordan was the Green Lantern of Kingdom Come. But DC was still, even though this was completely, which shows you that they probably never really thought that up in the upper echelons of editorial, they never really believed this was going to be a, either a one-off or a non-future that that would have some, a future that would have no relevance, like an Elseworld story that would have no relevance. That despite the fact that, that that's what Kingdom Come was supposed to be on the surface when it was created, DC was still practicing the Hal is a dirty word policy and made them change it to Alan. That's the story that I always that that I heard. And that's why he looks like Alan. Now, maybe they skirted it by saying, OK, what, what we're going to do is we're going to make him look like Alan, but we're never going to address one way or the other. But have anybody call him by name. So we know deep down it's really Hal, but but they can't say, oh, we, you put Hal Jordan in a book that we didn't want. Yeah, I mean, regardless, this is this is this is territory we've been across before with. Uh, Justice League before the new 52 when uh, when like Alan uh, ends up in the like the body cast that looks like the armor like we've we've been down this this avenue of is it Alan is it Hal in the past but then you throw in the fact that not only does he look is he start wearing the armor but he refers to setting up new Oa on Earth well on the moon but we know that the the space station new Oa was in orbit around Earth in Kingdom Come. So that's another piece of the puzzle that that flashes in your face, Kingdom Come. Yeah, 
there's no doubt there's no doubt that that is supposed to echo uh kingdom come by based on the way he looks and talking about new Oa and setting up you know setting it outside you know around the you know around the moon or on the moon or around the moon because that's what ha- that's that's what happened clearly in kingdom come yeah so and what does he does he specific does he specifically say something about being depowered or is he just talking talk about losing jurisdiction i'm i'm paging through but again it's digital so i i think he just he talks about let me get to see if i can get the panel you know he talks about the way the you know since the core fell i don't think he necessarily talks about in detail of when the of how the core fell okay yeah, so he's got the he's got the chest plate. Now, let's let's assume that Kingdom Come, you know, uh, Green Lantern was always supposed to be Hal. We know that from Kingdom Come, uh, that Green Lantern, whether it was Alan or Hal, supposedly internalized the battery, whether we that's meant to be the Star Heart or a power battery or the central power battery or what, uh, that is internal to to the person wielding that. So I'm looking at these various panels of Hal, and I don't see a ring. And he's the only one on fire with this energy. He doesn't just have an aura. He is on fire with this energy. And every panel you see him, he is he is not just uh, idly standing there. He is on fire. That is true. So I... I mean, it's it, it the panels we see him, he's posed in such a way that maybe he maybe he could be wearing a ring but quite honestly the main the main panel i'm referring to that i believe that is a good case for him internalizing the power in some way shape or form is the part where he's facing the league saying to make this new oa because his middle finger is clearly visible there on the hand that would have the lantern ring true so kingdom come armor not wearing a ring refers to new oa being set up uh in orbit around earth so that's that's extremely interesting. And we get Hal and we get John and we get Jessica and we get freaking Kilowog. So like this is this is uh this is shaping up to be the most lanterny <laughs> Justice League title we've seen in a while. Because even with like Justice League Odyssey, it just had Jessica in there and sure she had her moments and we had the regular Justice League title and yeah, John had his home, his moments, but let's face it, like the first big arc with John was about the that other spectrum and not necessarily about lantern related stuff. So this is this is interest this is this is interesting. There's more interesting stuff happening with lanterns in the multiverse in terms of the crime syndicate title. And we may or may not talk about that down the line at the very least. I think we could mention it at some point, what's actually happening in there, whether or not we actually review an issue guys don't even quote us on that. But like, there's some, if, just for the record, if you weren't aware that this justice league last ride is happening and now you guys are intrigued based on what we're talking about. Also check out crime syndicate. There's some stuff happening with lanterns over there or rather Emerald Knights because that takes place on earth three. But yeah, I just really felt that this one came out of left field because unless you were paying attention to the solicits, this thing, you know, the Mogo is in the background almost hit, like unless you're looking at it hard, it's almost hard to tell. Like it just looks like a planet or something in the background. But all we see now, it looks like maybe this is not. Well, you see a planetoid looking thing with a Green Lantern symbol on it. You think Mogo. But from reading this, it's probably the lantern symbol on the moon. That probably is right. Actually, that would make a lot of sense based on the story. Yeah. So 
unless you're looking for it, it does. It's really it, it, the solicit text said nothing about Green Lanterns, and you've got to kind of really be, you know, eyeballing this. Which basically, when I go through Green DC previews and I'm paging through things. I'm not even really looking for the green lantern symbol. I'm just looking for the color green. (laughs) Like that's, that's, that's how you gotta, you gotta do this stuff to pay attention these days. Um, But yeah, this, this one sort of skirted underneath and it's, it's interesting because Chip Zdarsky is writing some other stuff I'm interested in too. So I was, when I, when I saw this, I was like, okay, really do I want to pay for another comic book right now because A, B, C, or D. But what really sold me was Zdarsky. So I was like, okay, look, I'm already reading something with Zdarsky. I trust him. All right. Uh, I see what appears to be Mogo. Uh, and not really liking what's happening uh, with comics right now. Well, see, I think by the time Last Ride was solicited, the first issue of Green Lantern hadn't come out yet uh, for us to read. So all I really had was, okay, I wasn't happy with where the last series left us with Morrison and Far Sector will be ending soon. I guess I need to get my Green Lantern fix where I can take it. Oh, and Zdarsky's writing it. Makes sense. Uh, is there anything else about this that you're like, do you think you want to maybe keep reviewing this as it comes out? Uh, do you want to, I mean, I know that that's, that's stuff that you and I usually talk about, but this, but I'm asking, I'm asking you more from an interest standpoint. Is this something that interests you such that you would want to, even uh review it on the show as it comes out or would we want to take it like like we did maybe justice league odyssey and just say hey you know this thing is out here we talked about it for issue one but we'll wait till the first arc is finished before we talk about some more that's a tough one because while i'm interested i am in certainly interested enough to keep reading the problem the only the only problem is we you know if we if we if we just say yes we'll definitely do issue two what happens when we get to the point where if it becomes less lantern centric and we really have no interest or there's no real relevance to keep reviewing the book? Are we just gonna, are we just going to stop then? Or are we just going to wait till we finish an arc? And then and then I'm open to it. I think we at least can. Why don't we, we, the best bet, best bet probably would be let's read issue two and then make the decision. Yeah. Because if issue two is if issue two has almost nothing to do Green Lantern wise, and the question is, at the very least, we probably don't have to re- review it then. So at this point, guys, issue three has been solicited. Issue three shows um, the league sitting around a campfire, uh, and two of the members around said campfire are John and Hal, and Hal in, of course, this costume. So the lanterns, two of the lanterns appear on the cover of issue three. So my bet would be that um, lantern stuff continues uh, into issue two and obviously issue three based on the cover for three. Um, But again, I don't believe the solicits really gave us much. And plus you also have to think, um, don't forget guys, speaking of justice league, justice league infinity is going to start coming out, which is by jam Demetrius and James Tucker. But that's supposed to be a continu uh, a continuation of the Justice League Unlimited universe, um, in some way, shape, or form. So there's more Lantern stuff to to help there. So um, while while Far Sector is ending, which would mean Green Lantern is the only title we have left, I don't know that we necessarily want to say here and now. This is going to be our other thing. We're also going to review monthly as as the issues release. Right, we need we we need to at least be able to play it by ear and see and see where see where the story takes us. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm just I'm because it's it's a PDF, so I'm 
trying to so there's the solicit for green lantern four we know infinite frontier it has like the who is the new black lantern thing happening so that's something that's something that we'll obviously be talking about on the show yeah uh yeah so the solicit text for last ride three only says apocalypse once a fiery terror in the multiverse now a lifeless house filled with ghosts and dark secrets. Will the planet formerly ruled by dark side help the justice league or destroy it? doesn't say anything about lanterns, but again, like I said, Hal and, uh, and John appear on the cover of, of issue three. So it's likely. Yeah. So it's like at the very least we can mention where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's next? Actually, I almost forgot what's next. Oh, you wanted, we wanted to talk about Thorn, right? That is correct. Uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, last time we talked about Green Lantern, um, I told you guys like you know who is on Quest uh, and uh, and all this stuff and what land what sectors are defunct and all this. And I said I asked a question to uh, Mr. Jeffrey Thorne over on uh, Twitter, and I said that if he if he were to uh, answer. Uh, if you were to answer that, I would let you guys know and get back with you about what he says. Um, so he did answer. Uh, I, so my question to him was, this might be one of those can't ask or sorry type things, but I figured I'd ask, does Outrider and or Quest assignment mean the sector the Lantern was assigned to is also defunct since the Lantern was assigned elsewhere? I assume so, given that it mentions Sector uh, 279 is defunct, and another bubble says Lantern RRU92, who is from that sector, is assigned the quest. Basically trying to get a tally of what sectors, planets are under UP jurisdiction as we go, hence why I'm asking. We had a whole sort of short conversation about this. So Jeffrey Thorne said, that depends. Each sector has two lanterns. So if a sector is defunct, both lanterns are reassigned. If a one lantern from a sector is reassigned but not their partner, another would be chosen to replace them for that sector. So I responded, I said, interesting. So only defunct means under UP jurisdiction. Thanks for the answer. Uh, we are trying to figure out if uh, membership in the UP also meant the sector that the planet is in is under UP jurisdiction, but I assume not. He says, if your planet is in a defunct sector, it is now under UP jurisdiction. But also, some of what you're concerned with is going to play out in future stories. None of these parties have ever been in these positions before. There will be growing pains. I said, it makes sense. Thanks for replying. We'll update the listeners in the next app. Uh, And Thorne says, it's going to be crazy. What are these people thinking trying to form a cosmic democracy? Uh, I said, you know, also Legion is 31st century. There's so much time between then and now. Who knows? Maybe this is the first iteration of the United Planets. Maybe it fails and starts up again years later. That The timeline gives plenty to play with. He says, yeah, that's a thousand years of future history. We're just showing the first baby steps. No guarantee they'll get any of it right. And that's the end of the conversation that I had with Jeffrey Thorne on Twitter about this. Again, we, we kind of speculated on that. We talked about, uh, you and I talked about the idea that since there are two lanterns per sector, that just because we see one lantern being reassigned somewhere, that did not necessarily mean that the that that sector was completely gone from from the guardians. Yeah, but Earth. I don't I don't know that I. So while we talked about that, I don't know that I even considered the idea two lanterns per sector. That's something we obviously know because the core has seventy two hundred lanterns. But it would be it's so interesting to me that the guardians would choose to reassign lanterns from a sector and not just reassign but then replace them so there's there's more recruiting going on too that we're not seeing 
or there was supposed to be until the battery went dead? Possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. If you're going to choose, why why would if the idea is to keep two lanterns in a sector, why would you choose? Why would you purposely reassign someone already assigned to a sector that you're still in jurisdiction of, only to replace them, so that there's still the two lanterns in the sector? You already have the two lanterns. Why not just take from the pool of lantern? Why not only limit yourself to choosing from the pool of lanterns from the defunct sectors? You gave up what? They, those 1,200 sectors, right? Yeah, they gave up 1,200. So that's 2,400 lanterns. Well, they could just be making a decision based on the fact that to them, to the, they need those lanterns. They're more relevant to them being put on either Outrider or Quest than they are doing their own reconnaissance and p- patrolling their own sector depends what sector it is maybe maybe it's easier to do in a sector that's not as that more or less can can regularly be handled with even if it's only for a short period of time but be handled by one lantern you don't necessarily need two lanterns on duty all the time in these sectors uh so then it's easy or it's just not that again it's just not that tough and tough an assignment tough a beat to walk so if they can take the 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 lantern they like the most basically, and then stick them in a more important position. And then it's like, yeah, we'll just get another replacement for, for to help the guy who's left. could be something like that, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. I just thought that was interesting. Like it, what, what he said makes sense, but the idea of replacing somebody who's been reassigned through give me pause. Okay. All right. Uh, in the meantime, some stuff came out that obviously we have to talk about because I'm me. Um, also, it was part of something I'm looking forward to and uh, the movies we're looking forward to. So uh, the, the trailer finally dropped for Venom Let There Be Carnage. And you didn't seem as in, as openly enthusiastic about this, about this movie in general compared to the first one, even though we all know the first trailer was shit for the first for, for Venom, Chad, whether, whether you want to accept it or not. <laughs> but... but <laughs> But you seem to be have a little more doubt about this project. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. But before we, I go on a tirade. Let's 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 let you talk a bit about what you thought about it. We're we're not gonna play the trailer, right? So. No, we're not gonna play the trailer this time. Uh, I kind of enjoyed the banter between Eddie and Venom, settling into their relationship, their symbiotic relationship, Ching. So I I like that and how you know people are getting used. People around Eddie are somewhat getting used to some are getting used to encountering Venom and not everybody. So I, I do like you know, the, the way people are, you know, Venom has kind of like adjusted to, and people have adjusted to Venom. I, I, I like that aspect of it. Woody Harrelson was, was about as batshit crazy as you would expect. So that, that, that made sense. Um, for, as a, tra- as a trailer, I, I, I liked, I liked it. I mean, it again, it, Certainly compared to the first Venom trailer, it, you know, it, it, you know, it's a grand slam compared to the to the first Venom trailer we got. Yeah, I mean, in term, we, we didn't really even get to see the symbiote, so yeah, that's they've they've you know rectified that mistake. Yeah, I mean, I I think on the sliding scale from an enthusiasm level, I don't know if this trailer like raised my enthusiasm for it, but it it kind of gave me what I expected to see in a trailer for. Or let there be carnage. So I, I was relatively, I was relatively pleased with it. I didn't have any, I didn't have any major issues with it, though. I suppose 
some could take exception to the to the humor in it. I or making it seem like it was going to be a lot goofier, but I don't know. I, I I was I was relatively content with it. Yeah. So I mean, look, uh, you 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 touched on it there. The the humor. I, I went back and I watched the trailers for for the first Venom film, and I'm talking like the main trailers, guys. I don't I don't really consider the TV spots uh, trailers, especially when you get within like a week or two of of the film because who knows how many people are going to see those it's just it's just the last blitz to get people asses in the seats um so i really only consider like the big theatrical you know as long as you'd expect a trailer to be trailers actual trailers so i went back and watched like the main two the, the big two trailers not the first one where we didn't see shit but the main two there was no humor in those that painted the whole venom film as this dark body horror horror alien sort of movie um and the closest you got to legit humor was the ending scene where venom grabs you know the guy in in the shop is like you'll be this armless legless thing rolling down the street like a turd in the wind like that's that's the closest you got in the trailers to any sort of humor so the fact that this first trailer comes out and there's so much humor gives me a little bit pause. Not because there's – I don't have a problem with there being humor in the movie. I like the first movie, so clearly I have no problem with there being humor. My problem is there was almost no humor in the Venom movie trailers. So that when you got to the humor in the movie, you were – you know if it seemed the vast majority of people enjoyed that movie. So you were pleasantly surprised at the humor that was there. Um, and I'm not necessarily looking to be surprised by the humor, but uh, because there was really none of it in the trailer, I wasn't expecting it uh, and therefore didn't have to really factor it into my idea of what this movie could be. But now they get this trailer and we lead with so much humor. It makes me wonder if there's this much humor in the trailer, how humorous is the movie added to the fact that this, the, and the other problem I have with it is the rating for this. I get it. You know, you're, you're not going to as successful as the first movie is making the sequel rated R, which would then limit your viewership even further, theoretically speaking, is probably not the right call. But also at the same time, it's Cletus, Cassidy, and Carnage, which combined is supposed to be the most bloodthirsty, psychotic, murderous combination that exists in Marvel Comics. And I'm not saying like he's the top tier insane thing but he's he's up there he is he you know his name he is carnage incarnate he is bloodthirst uh without regard for anything so the idea that this thing is so humorous from word go and that it's got the rating it has has me a little shook now it's it's the symbiotes i'm gonna stand by them but i'm not gonna sit here and say that Carnage is going to blow people away the way I said, like the Venom movie was. And I was like, you know, obviously I got all up in my head about that and was like saying, I called it. I said it. I'm, I'm going to stand by it, but I'm not, I'm, 
I'm not going to, I don't have the confidence in this film. That's almost a cop out because it's, it's almost, it's not to say that there can't be good sequels, but it's almost a foregone conclusion that the sequel isn't always going to, isn't going to be as successful as, or more successful than the original. That's usually the case. And Mark, as the movie guy, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, that's not why I'm stepping back a little bit. I'm stepping back because of the humor and the rating on this, given who's supposed to be involved. Uh, I'm intrigued by a few things here and there, like supposedly that detective that's all up in his feelings in this, uh, in this trailer is supposed to be um, the character who becomes toxin, which is carnage's offspring. Um, uh, And then obviously there's rumors that scream is supposed to be a part of this as well in some way, shape or form. Um, so, you know, as a symbiote fan, there's stuff in here that has me hyped. And of course, I'm just happy to see carnage and venom on screen again, but trailer wise there, I have a couple of concerns. I can see that. I, it makes sense. You're more heavily invested. So it makes sense that there'd be a little bit more concern on your end. I would suspect the next trailer won't, will have a different tone that might've been just you know, they just might have wanted to make the trailer look fun more than than ominous or scary or or to do the contrast between Carnage and Venom, especially since they've decided that they want Car- they want Venom to be a, more of an antihero than a villain, that they may be, that might be a way just to spotlight the differences between the characters that no matter what you think of this guy, this guy's a lot worse. Yeah. So I think that that I, that could be it. I, I if this if the next trailer is in the same vein then i i would i could understand where you're why you'd be concerned about it i think they're i just think they're trying to appeal to especially in the environment that we live in now they're trying to branch kind of maybe appeal to the biggest audience possible and build off the success of the first movie where where it surprised many people how well it did so i think they're trying to just kind of play up the the things I think they think people liked about the Venom Eddie relationship and then throw in the contrast with carnage. So, yeah, it's just like, but you remember that first like main trailer, like not, not the one that everybody, you know, gives shit, but like the, where the, the probably like the, one of the biggest parts of the trailer was that sequence where Eddie goes in to the life foundation and there's smoke and strobing alarm effects. And it's almost treated like a horror sequence when he, you know, like the test subjects are dying and pressed up against the glass and the symbiotes are, you know, jumping out. And like, you know, there's like a bunch of jump scares and things like that. Like that whole that, that whole trailer was painted in, in like what I said, that that horror esque body horror alien, you know, sort of uh, high octane sort of feel. Um, and, you know, then you had these sort of alien feels with the like the footage of the crash uh, uh, life foundation ship. And, you know, like something escaped containment, like that whole idea. So like there was just this very distinct feel for what they wanted you to feel like the Venom movie was going into it. And this doesn't match that at all. I can understand your concern because of that. Yes. And anything to say about what I said about sequels? It varies. I mean, it's there. It is a general it is a general assumption that sequels are always either inferior or that it's certainly not true that sequels don't always make as much mo- make less money because that's not because obviously the dark knight made much more money than than batman begins did but but uh, 
See, but I, uh, my theory on sequels also is, in parts and franchises, it really comes down to how sequ- sequels and new installments really depend on how people viewed the last one. That that will all very often determine how the ne- how the next one will do because you can have something that's deceptive. You have something that makes money that people end up hating, like I always talk about Hangover Two. Hangover Two made a shit ton of money, mostly in the first weekend, certainly domestically, but people hated it compared to the original one. So that pretty much killed. Even if they were really only planning three, which they probably weren't, they can say that they were, but they probably would. They probably would have kept going with that. But by the time, thanks to Hangover Two, boom, that they would they, that that pretty much killed a, a burgeoning franchise so much that that's why Fast and Furious had no problem deciding to open up against it on Memorial Day weekend, and, and they killed it. Uh, so, and that's so. With this movie, I, I mean, we. The asterisk is we don't know what the box office is going to be like. We don't know how close to normal things are going to be back by the time Venom comes out. But if things were normal, the odds are Venom would, uh, this movie would make more money than the original, I would suspect, because of the, it's more of a proven commodity now than a risk. So you, when it comes to sequels, you just don't know whether it's, you know, sometimes movies are highly regarded, but they don't make as much money as the first. But it's not, it's certainly not guaranteed that, all the sequels are always going to be viewed as inferior to the original, which is funny because I was thinking about this in relation to saw, not that I saw spiral yet. I will this week, but it's funny with saw as a franchise in which some people do think the first movies is the best, but it's not a slam dunk consensus opinion that like Halloween, you know, you pretty much almost everybody will say Halloween is the best Halloween movie. There's no other movie that even comes close there's a lot of people that do like certain Saw movies more than the original. I, I do. I like three. I like six much more than the original. Uh, so it's not, oh, it depends. It really depends. It really depends on the franchise too. But yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be concerned if you, if you could leave the COVID thing out, which we can't, I wouldn't be concerned about from a box office perspective about whether this movie was going to do well. I think this movie would do well no matter what. The question would be if people didn't like it, then it's the next movie that is likely to suffer and will pay the price at the box office because people are going to remember, oh, yeah, well, I didn't like the last one, so I'm not going to be running out to go see see this one. And this is just another way to frame what I've been saying already. But to me, it feels like, especially referring to the comedy in it, it feels like Sony, you know, was trying to figure out why the first Venom film was so successful. And I don't want to say like that maybe they thought they had a bomb on their hands, but they, they definitely didn't, nobody did expected it to perform the way they did. So they had to have looked at, you know, okay, well, what is it so that we can make the sequel, you know, uh, in, in, you know, we gotta, we gotta figure out this, this thing and figure out what, what the secret sauce is so that we can try and replicate it for the next film. And that they saw like, oh, it was funnier than I thought it would be. And in that they learned the wrong lesson from that. And that's why they front loaded this trailer with so much humor. So just it feels like a, a, a production company that learned the wrong lesson. I mean, that could turn out to be the case. It also could they also could be tr- maybe trying to pattern this a little bit more like Spider-Man a little bit. Take some of the beats of Spider-Man, which obviously there's tons of humor and the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies because of the nature of the character and the situations he's in. So maybe they, and maybe this has nothing to do with it, or maybe it's because they do want these two characters to meet. So they're trying to set up some commonality, especially if they're not going to be 
arch villains in this, at least long term, in this Spider Verse that they're creating. That so I could they could tr- try to they could be trying to mirror tonally uh, the, the Tom Holland Sp- the current Spider Man franchise that they have. But we'll see. I mean, it. I I get where you're where you're concerned, but let's let's see what the second trailer is like, and then what, and then we'll and then we'll have and then we'll have more of an idea. I think whether, but I mean, we'll we'll, we'll never know because obviously some trailers can be cut any way you want. I mean, they're only like t- two minutes, two and a half minutes, so if you could cut it. You could be completely deceiving about trailers if you want to. I mean, you can mm-hmm. paint a completely different image of of. Uh, as, as we've talked about repeatedly re- regarding Planet of the Apes, how they all those trailers were misleading for all those movies on some level. They were not the movie was never quite what those trailers were telling you that the movie or implying that the movie was going to give you. But if they do the same tone again and they don't have more and they don't have more of the action and more not enough scares are the right word, but if they but if it's just a little maybe a little more ominous, then I can I could definitely see why you'd be greatly concerned. Still doesn't mean the movie won't turn out well, but I can understand right. the concern. All right. What's next up? Well, since we we mentioned this ever so briefly last episode, and we'll mention, mention it ever so briefly this episode, because unless Chad has anything to add, excuse me, to what I certainly know, that we had our first casting for the HBO Max Green Lantern series with uh, Finn Whitrock. Now, there's a name for you. Finn Whitrock. Kind of a good name for someone playing Guy Gardner. <laughs> that he has been cast as Guy Gardner, and I think he's most notable for American Horror Story, American Crime Story, Rashid. So I guess obviously we're moving closer to that becoming a reality now that they actually have cat. You know, they, we have our first casting news. Doesn't really do much for me again because I don't really know. Yeah, you know, I really I don't really know him, and it's gonna be hard to get overly excited especially if they don't cast anybody who is a big name, which they probably won't in this show, because we really don't know until we have a better idea how, what what the show is going to be like, what the incarnation of Green Lantern and what they're actually going to do here with these different characters and the different eras and the stories they're going to tell. It's hard to be overly excited, but it is the, it is the first step. And again, like we talked about last episode, it's not like, they're not casting. They're not casting Guy Gardner to flip the bird to John Stewart because they want to keep the black man down. It's because John, they have plans for John Stewart. People, they have plans, which is why. Yeah, which is which is worth repeating because even on this deadline article I'm reading in the comments, people are like, "Oh, you're not way to not cast John Stewart." It's like, I, I guess it's it's so easy for us to forget that not everybody keeps up with the news like we do like guys they are supposedly doing a green lantern core movie so like just fyi hal and john are reserved for the film that's why we're not getting any there's supposed to be a film in the works <laughs> yes that's so again like we talked about i think last episode too the reason why Zack Snyder was never going to get that John Stewart stuff off the ground. And he's even making life worse by leaking some of these, you know, like snippets and pictures from this stupid scene that he filmed is because they, they, WB has plans for John Stewart. They weren't going to let their, their new incarnation of, and their relaunching of and rebranding of Green Lantern be tied to a guy they have no intention of working with again. And who was the whole project was always labeled as a one-off project. 
So why would and he knew he couldn't use that character. He this is just Jack Snyder being a dick. You know, he knew he wasn't he knew that was never going to fly, let alone casting it, let alone shooting it. That just that just tells you a lot about Zack Snyder, because if you weren't being an ego egomaniac, why would you ever think that would fly? It would make no sense. You could think, right? Because he know I mean, he knows like he knows that they have plans for Jon Stewart. So why would they let you cast an unknown guy playing Jon Stewart? I think they're going to want somebody a little higher profile probably to play Jon Stewart. I don't know. I could be wrong. So Finn Whitrock, I, I looked him his, up his IMD and I scrolled twice through it to make sure I wasn't missing anything because the guy does look familiar, but I've never seen American Horror Story or any of that stuff. The only thing I could see on here that like I've ever even watched is Noah, the Russell Crowe film, where he played one of the sons. Oh, okay. I never watched it, but but I remember the movie. Yeah. So I I don't know how my mind was like, oh yeah, he looks familiar from his scenes as the young version of, cause you know, the story of Noah takes place over uh, X amount of time. So uh, Finn Ritrock played the younger version in the earlier part of that film of one of Noah's sons. So uh, that was interesting, but yeah, apparently he looks familiar, but I've never seen him in anything else. Apparently um, what's interesting to me though, and, is this deadline article because it mentions something and I'm going to read the whole paragraph and I'm pretty sure once I say it, you'll know what I'm referring to that. I didn't think we knew about the film. So let me read this paragraph from this deadline article, which is titled Finn went rock to headline uh, green lantern HBO max series as guy Gardner written by Greg Berlanti, Mark Guggenheim and Seth Graham Smith green lantern reinvents the classic DC property through a story spanning decades and galaxies beginning on Earth in 1941 with the very first Green Lantern, secretly gay FBI agent Alan Scott, and 1984 with cocky male alpha guy Gardner and half-alien Bree Jarda. They'll be joined by a multitude of other lanterns, from comic book favorites to never-before-seen heroes. When did they say Alan was supposed to be an FBI agent? Yeah, I Was I asleep? No, I don't. I don't remember that ever being officially announced before, and anything that certainly not nothing, not in anything in in nothing, a concrete that we've discussed before. Yeah, the the gay thing, like we know where they're going in the comics, so that's not a shock to anybody. But why why is he suddenly an FBI agent? Like if it's set in the forties, then first of all, the engineer thing, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing uh, in terms of you know kind of like the industrial age. But also, if you're not going to go with the original engineer stuff and instead make him uh, a broadcasting mogul, that also makes sense because it's the 40s and radio was a thing. Why is he suddenly a fucking FBI agent, if this is even correct? Where's, where did that come from? I don't remember reading that anywhere. No, I don't, I don't remember reading it either. So I guess we're going to have to... We're going to have to be in a holding pattern on that to see whether that turns out to be accurate or not. Yeah. All right. That's that's really all I had because when I was reading that, I was like, where the fuck did that come from? Uh, that's that's I guess that's it for this episode, huh? I think so. All right, uh, guys, I'm going to be uh, uh, out of the office uh, the next week. Uh, I'm going to go visit my mom in Washington State. So uh, I will personally be back home on June 1st, but uh, – don't worry, Mark's Mark's got plenty of stuff to do. <laughs> that's I, the, wait, that's that's, the, that's a wrong way to phrase it. It makes it sound like I gave you projects. That's that's not the right way to say that. 
Oh, look, well, I did not take it that way, though. I, though I will appreciate you potentially <laughs> cutting that off <laughs> at the pass, just in case uh, somebody <laughs> did take it that way. Uh, I have things in my mind anyway for for to record while Chad's gone. Jim and I are still sp- are t- probably going to record next week. So whether that be- is the episode that comes out next week or the episode that comes out the f- you know the week of the week after Memorial Day or including Memorial Day, technically, uh, time will tell. But th- it's possible that they'll have I will have something to put out next week just for me, and then Jim and I may have something. But either way, that's uh, there are things in the hopper in my mind anyway. So the question is whether I can. Uh, Bring it to fruition while Chad's gone. For sure. And like I say, guys, I get back into town on the first. Well, before that, but in terms of going back to work and everything, uh, I get back on the first. Um, That's my first official day back home. Interestingly enough, uh, on the second, which is a Wednesday, Far Sector number 12 comes out. That's the finale of the Far Sector series. That same week, Green Lantern number three hits as does Crime Syndicate number four, which features their Emerald Knight character on the cover, both main and variant. So that is supposed to be a huge uh, lantern, you know, lanterns in that universe related issue. If you're curious about what I said re, uh, regarding uh, Crime Syndicate being lantern heavy, uh, definitely issue four, pay attention. And then the very next week, that's when we get Justice League Last Ride number two and the DC Pride issue, which will be featuring a... Uh, a Alan Scott story, as well as if you're a fan of uh, this, the CW verse uh, dreamer from Supergirl will be making her first comic book appearance uh, out there. So in terms of uh, in DC continuity, um, I'm actually excited for that. I do like the dreamer character. Um, you know, she's attached to uh, a legionnaire, uh, you know, down in her, in her future, uh, in her future lineage that I'm a fan of. But there's also like a, a Rene Montoya question story in there. There's an Obsidian uh, is supposedly a part of this. Whether he's his own story or supposed to be part of Alan's, I don't know. Um, but uh, whether you're in it for all the Pride characters in terms of rep- representation or you're in it for uh, Alan and Obsidian or you're in it for speculation in terms of uh, Dreamer, for her first appearance in comics, uh, it looks like a, a big issue. So the first two weeks of uh, June are definitely... At the very least, lantern heavy. So keep an eye out, guys. Indeed. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.